0: Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in. Got a lot to news a lot of news to get to today if you If you saw my Twitter post, I said this morning that I probably won't have a podcast today. I actually said I will not have a podcast today. but when I have the opportunity to sit down behind the 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 GOP Josh uh, electro voice microphone in the studio here in Ohio, of course I'm gonna do it. you know I'm gonna take the opportunity. I'm going to join you all. If I have the opportunity, I definitely will, because I, lo- I love doing the show. I wouldn't do the show if I didn't love it, and I love doing the show. So I'm going to join you, and, and I'm here today, here on the Conservative Crusader Network, GOPJosh.com, and I want to thank someone before we before we get into the show. I want to thank Mark Bukita, whose campaign gave me a lot of a lot of really cool merchandise, a lot of stuff, a couple T-shirts, a couple hats, some blow up baseball bats, some real wooden baseball bats some campaign literature, a bunch of different stuff. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm wearing the shirt today. Uh, He gave me three shirts. I wore one yesterday. I'm wearing one today here on the Conservative Crusader. So I appreciate it a lot. Thank you, Mr. Paquita. And if you missed our interview where I had the opportunity to interview candidate Mark Paquita for U.S. Senate, uh, you can check it out at GOPJosh.com. There's a big banner on top of the page that says, Click here to listen to my interview with Mark Paquita. You click on it, it takes you to the webpage, and you p- press that, and it starts playing the interview. Very simple, very easily. Or you can just go to jubyjosh.com slash interviews and get to it right away. Two minutes of promo is over. Let's get into the show, because that's a, that's a lot to start off the show with. The trucker convoy, the people's convoy, a couple different convoys went through the state of Ohio, but the people's convoy of around 1,000 vehicles threatened a week of traffic disruptions around the U.S. capitol. A long line of huge semi-articulated trucks, recreational vehicles, and cars were, circul- uh, were circling Washington, D.C. on Sunday in preparation for what was their what, for what their protesting drivers have pledged will be a week of traffic disruptions around the U.S. Capitol aligned around a loose collection of demands, including the info of all coronavirus pandemic-related restrictions. From its temporary base at a Speedway vehicle racing site in Hagerstown, 80 miles northwest of Maryland, organizers ha- of what they termed to be the the People's Convoy, of around a thousand vehicles, have said they plan to welcome the new work week by driving slowly around Washington on the already notorious congested Beltway at a minimum legal speed in an attempt to get their message across to national politicians. Great, Th- this is phenomenal. This is absolutely tremendous. The convoy is spinoff of trucker protests further north that have snarled Ottawa and disrupted Canadian transport arteries. Uh, to the U.S. began assembling in California last week. As it has made its way east, it has picked up similarly mobile, ideologically aligned fellow travelers along the way. America is already rapidly releasing its citizens from a patchwork of pandemic restrictions and COVID mandates. As the most recent surge of infections subsidized in many states, and officials in the public began talking of the waning pandemic. That's not what impor- what's important. That last paragraph where there, where there they're easing pandemic restriction. That, that, that's not what's important. And that's what they're protesting is to get rid of pandemic restrictions. But that's not what's important, okay? What's important is the fact that they closed down the nation for two years, stolen elections via mail-in votes, and are just now opening back up because Biden's in office and they have to do something to make themselves look good. That's what's going on. That That's truly what's happening. And, um... I applaud these protesters for doing what they're doing. I wish I would could have been out there when they were in Ohio supporting them, cheering them on. I couldn't be. I was very busy. I couldn't make it, unfortunately. But you, the candidates that were out there, the people were, that were out there supporting these truckers, supporting standing up for their medical freedom is tremendous. The amount of support I saw on social media, the amount of videos I saw, posts, everything that I saw was, was tremendous. I'm glad they had so much support. And I, I, I really wish that that the politicians would listen. And people are saying, oh, well, Josh, you know that they're easing pandemic restrictions. It's too little too late. They have been locking down and mandating for how many years now? Two years now. When I first started the show, it was January of 2020. You can't find those old episodes anymore, but I started the show in January of 2020. And that was... I was breaking the news about coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, as it was happening. I, I was 13 years old breaking the news with the coronavirus, talking about some things mainstream media was not. And two years later, I'm still talking about the same thing because they refused to, to lift the restrictions. They refused to do this and that. And it's absolutely, it, it's heartbreaking. I mean, we we have been healed of COVID. COVID is, is practically gone. And the fact that these truckers had to get out there and threaten traffic and had to threaten this and that in order to get the Democratic politicians to take away their mandates is dangerous. And it's sad that they had to stand up. And we've we been saying this the whole time. Um, My family as well as just, just me here on the show have said that when the truckers protest, when the truckers revolt, when they stop transporting things from point A to point B, bleep is about to hit the fan right and if they, if they uphold their their week long of traffic dis- d- disruptions there's a week right if they continue it even longer that'd be that'd be great but you 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 feel threatened to financially support the the truckers at this point i mean look in canada where they're trying to hold anyone who financially contributed to the truckers in a, in a court case the, the businesses of Ottawa are trying to hold these people in a court case for financially supporting the truckers. I mean, I mean, y- you don't feel safe to dis- support the truckers and support what they're doing because of, of the, these re- repercussions, so to speak. And I'm glad the pandemic restrictions are easing up. I'm glad Democratic politicians have decided the only way they can get reelected is to ease restrictions and allow freedom because America is a free nation— but also, you know, it it took too long. There should have never been such restrictions. There shouldn't have never been any restrictions. Especially not nearly as as many as there are or there were. And I applaud the truckers for doing what they're doing. It's a great thing for our nation. It's a great thing for the truckers for them finally revolting. You know, it's about time. We we've been threatening it for two years, talking about how when the truckers revolt, things will change. And the truckers have finally revolted and things are beginning to change. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Because I sure have. Okay. So so we have an opinion article from, from the New York Times that I want to get to. Texas is the future of abortion in America, is, is the title. It's from Mary Tuma, who is a... Is this Mary Tuma? She's an, is she an artist? Oh, she she's from Mother Jones. Oh, that Mary Tuma from from Mother Jones, the 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 left wing mouthpiece. I oh, know she she just wrote one article for them. Okay, but she's not. I I don't know who this lady is. She's a freelance journalist from Texas who focuses on reproductive rights and social justice issues. Reproductive rights means you can murder children. Yep, that's how that works, right? For half a year, Roe v. Wade, the 1973 Supreme Court decision that guarantees abortion rights for all Americans has been effectively moot in the second largest state in the country, home to about 10% of the nation's reproductive age women. On September 1st... Wait, 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 wait. She said the word women. I thought we can't say the word women anymore because anyone can get pregnant. Any gender, any... Any person can get pregnant if they identify as pregnant. On September 1st, the Supreme Court allowed Texas Senate Bill 8 to go into effect. The most restrictive abortion law to do so in the United States since Roe. There's a good chance that Texans will not see their reproductive rights restored anytime soon because Roe itself could be overturned or gutted before the fate of SB 8 is resolved in the courts. Over decades, in one dis- uh, situation after another, Texas has been in the epicenter of America's abortion rights battle. What happens in Texas rarely, rarely, rarely stays there. I lived in Texas my entire life. I have reported on reproductive rights for eight, 10 years and what is happening in the state still feels surreal. An untold number of Texans have suffered under SB8 which bans abortion once uh, embryonic cardiac activity is detected, typically around the 6th week of pregnancy. Now, SB8 disproportionately affects vulnerable and marginalized Texans who are most likely to continue pregnancies against their will rather than travel to overburdened clinics in neighboring states, a worrisome prospect in the state's already high maternal mat- mortality rate. So first off, I don't know if this if this um, analysis or, or this author is supposed to seem nonpartisan. I mean, it is an opinion article. I don't know if it's labeled that for for legal reasons, so the New York Times editorial team is not held accountable for the fake news in this in in this in this report. But this this the article doesn't even try to be sound. Try to even sound. Nonpartisan at all. Reproductive lo- rights is not how I would describe the the, the abortion debate. Is not how I would describe anything. A- any bill I want to describe the Texas bill as, as trumping repro- reproduction rights. I wouldn't describe this or that as as uh, trumping reproductive rights, etc. And so. This article makes really no sense, and it's like another half of the article is just the same thing, talking about how Texas is the future of abortion in America, this and that. And that's a good thing. Texas's law is phenomenal. I support Texas's law. I'm glad they're defending it. I'm glad the court is upholding it. And reminder, I just want to remind it again, because I left this on my desk all weekend. It's that Jim Renacci literature I referred to on Friday which talks about Mike DeWine and how he says abortion clinics are essential. I still have that on my on my desk. I still have that just looking at it. And I, I want to remind Ohioans that because the majority of my audience is in Ohio. So I wanted to remind you all that, that, that abortion clinics are essential according to Mike DeWine when it comes to COVID lockdowns. We could have a bill like Texas has. We could have a a, a piece of legislation that, that's effective as Texas, but we have DeWine in office. I don't even know who to support for governor. I might endorse in the primary, but if Dewine was the general, I'm probably going to endorse Neil Peterson, who is an independent conservative running. But but yeah, it abortion clinics are not essential. Abortion clinics are not healthcare. They kill an innocent human being every single time. Every time an abortion is is performed, they are they are killing an innocent human being, and, and I talked to a. To a pro choice person who and I asked, Well well, they said the baby cannot cannot survive without without the mother at twenty three weeks, which is when the baby can literally survive out of the womb. So I said, Should we kill a, a one year old who can't survive without her mother or without the mother? They said yes, we should have a, a post a post term abortion. Think about that. Those are the people we are up against. Those are the people we are battling against for our nation, for our future, for our health care, for this and that. That doesn't support life at all. That doesn't support life. So when we return, Rubio explains why a a no-fly zone is a no-go, which is the start of World War III. And the Columbus mask mandate in Columbus, Ohio may be repealed. We're talking about that when we return here on the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. Uh, Marco Rubio was on ABC's The Week, I think it's called. Yeah, I, I don't watch Sunday television. To talk about the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Stephanopoulos brought up the idea of a no-fly zone, which Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky asked from for from multiple nations. And I, I'm just going to play the interaction right now. I might play the interaction right now. Maybe. Come on Twitter. Come on Twitter video.
1: Are you and your colleagues now more open to a no-fly zone? You know, the the look, a no-fly zone has become a catchphrase. I'm not sure a lot of people fully understand what that means. That means flying AWACS 24 hours a day. That means the willingness to shoot down and engage Russian airplanes in the sky. That means... Frankly, you can't put those planes up there unless you're willing to knock out the anti-aircraft systems that the Russians have deployed, and not just in Ukraine, but in Russia and also in in Belarus. So basically, a no-fly zone, if people understood what it means, it means World War III. It means starting World War III. So I think there are a lot of things we can do to help Ukraine protect itself, both from airstrikes and missile strikes, but I think people... I need to understand what a no-fly zone means. It's not just, it's not some rule you pass that everybody has to oblige by. It's the willingness to shoot down the aircrafts of the Russian Federation, which is basically the beginning of World War III.
0: That is a clip from Marco Rubio, and I, I actually agree. You know, uh, some people will disagree with Marco Rubio a lot, just just frankly because he is Marco Rubio. And that, that's another problem, which I'll get into probably in another, in another day, about how like I, I I was called out for agreeing with Dan Crenshaw on the um, Russian energy debacle, right? You can agree with someone. Like I agree with Dan Crenshaw. I on some issues I agree with uh, Marco Rubio. I agree with Nikki Haley on some issues. This one being specifically um, um, with uh, Marco Rubio, with without completely supporting him. Like I I want to support. Marco Rubio in 2024. Um, After that, Stephanopoulos said the president resisted banning Russian oil imports that would send gas prices soaring. Do you support it? Uh, Rubio said after that, I do. I think that's something you can construct a plan to phase that in rapidly. You can use reserves to buffer that. We have more than enough ability to the country to produce enough oil to make up for the percentage we buy from Russia. So true. And there's there's a major problem there with, with the the biden administration with their, their 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 climate change um global warming policy is they they're so afraid of of something that's not a major issue that they they're unwilling to produce oil in the united states you want to hear something funny biden administration if someone out there is listening to this from the biden administration the climate change in russia is actively affecting our climate just as much as climate change in the united states Just as much as climate change in the United States. And I don't know if you want to ignore that or not. But we are contributing by purchasing oil, by burning gas, etc. We are actively contributing to climate change, and I'm putting climate change in air quotes, just as much as any other nation is when we produce the oil here versus when when we buy the oil from Russia. The only difference is we are independent if we produce it here we are not reliant on putin we aren't reliant on different nations in order to in order to power our cars in order to power our our systems so we can produce the oil here open our pipelines finish the keystone pipeline finish building it and we will be energy independent once again like we were under president trump Because we're contributing to climate change just as much. If you believe that we are contributing to climate change, you are just as much with buying oil as you are with producing oil. Except for with producing oil, you'll build jobs. You'll bring manufacturing back to the United States. You'll build this and that back. You won't have to pay the pipeline fees. You won't have to pay another nation to bring it in. How is this controversial? How is this controversial? Even Elon Musk, the electric car guy, says we need to produce more oil. Of all people, it is Elon Musk. Let me find the tweet. From March 4th, which I I didn't have a chance to talk about on the show because it was at 7.40pm Eastern Standard Time. Hate to say it, but we need to increase oil and gas output immediately. Extraordinary times call demand extraordinary measures. Obviously, this would negatively affect Tesla. Tesla but the sustainable energy solutions simply cannot react instantaneously to make up for Russian oil and gas exports. We need to produce gas. We need to produce oil. Instead of relying on Russia, we are funding Russia's war, which is the whole the whole topic of of uh, last Friday's episode. Was we are funding. Russia's war. We have to pay we we have to do something. We have to produce produce our own gas. It is too late to try to make up our diplomatic relationships to continue funding our, our gas and oil. We are out of time. We must produce our own oil. We must produce our own gas and we must stop buying oil and gas from Russia. That is their bread and butter. That is their, their number one way of making money. It is through their Russia oil and gas exports. We have. We have to. We have to produce our own oil. We have to produce our own gas. It's not an option to not do that anymore. It's not an option to stop. It is not an option. It is not an option to continue buying from Russia. If we want this war to end anytime soon, a little something in Columbus, the home, the the, the uh, not home city, but the capital of the state of Ohio, the best state in the nation. Will Columbus City Council repeal the citywide mask mandate, which has been in place just for just shy of six months? While well, it seems likely that likely there's a process in order to get it done, at the end of the posted agenda for council meeting today. Uh, After more than seven dozen other items coming back for the council, it is SR18, which reads to repeal Ordinance 2388-2021 pertaining to the wearing of face coverings in response to the spread of COVID-19 and to declare an emergency. It declares for the second reading, which is required by law. Its name implies exactly that. Any ordinance on which the council would need to act to present at two meetings at least one week apart from each other. Um, The ordinance to repeal the mask mandate was read into the room on March 1st. With Monday's meeting marking the second reading, council will not have to override the second reading rule. Once the ordinance is entered into the record for the second time, council will then discuss and vote on the ordinance, uh, giving that the director of the CPH, the Columbus Public Health, has recommended the city drop in the mandate. There does not appear to be a reason for council to follow the recommendation. Or to not follow the recommendation. Good. It's about time. Columbus City Schools are already moving their, are removing their mandates. Um, the city or... Hopefully remove theirs today. That would be tremendous. Um, Ginther will probably sign the ordinance on Tuesday. So it would be required until the the, the word from the office comes out that the ordinance is law. That's good for the city of Columbus for removing the mask mandates, which are unscientific. They always have been from day one. They have been unscientific, and I am extremely happy. There, they are being repealed nationwide, including here in in Democratic Columbus, Ohio. Very excited. I'm actually I'm, act- I'm actually happy for once. I'm actually happy about that. that. That's a good thing. That's a good thing for the state for the for the city to remove these unscientific mask mandates. I am very excited. Okay, I don't really have much more to talk about today. Um, I wasn't planning on doing a, a, an episode today. I even put on Twitter, I'm not going to, desperate times, call for desperate, desperate measures, just kidding. But, uh, I'm very excited to be back today. Hope I can, ha- okay, I- I'm gonna be honest right now. Don't rely on, on this podcast for your news source for the next week. I'm gonna be honest. We, we are extremely busy with, with non-political projects, so I'll make an episode when I can, but if I can't, I, I, I can't do it, you know? I, I This can't be my number one priority at this time. Unfortunately, I, I so wish it could, and I really hope it will be one day. But as of now, li- life's, life's got to move on, and can't do it every day. That is perfectly fine with me, unfortunately. Hopefully, I'll be back tomorrow, though, with a brand new episode of The Conservative Crusader. But until then, my name is GOP Josh. Follow me on social medias at GOP Josh, where GOP Josh 20, most likely... My name is JP Josh. Stay tuned.